0: Welcome to The Power of a Graceful Leader with Alexis Thompson. Join us as we explore ways to access your deep inner wisdom, learn what it looks and feels like so that you can find your own path to integration, flow, and alignment, awakening the graceful leader within you. And now, here's your host, Alexis Thompson.
1: Hi, I'm excited to bring you with with me into a conversation about grace and leadership today. Um, uh, Kay Taylor, who... I honestly say his friend and definitely teacher and mentor for me, and I'll show you a little bit more of that later. But her credentials are deep and wide in her craft of astrology, um, leading with being the president of the Organization for Professional Astrologers, an international organization, and working on the board of trustees for Kepler College, which is their astrology schooling or college for astrologers. In case you didn't know, that was something that existed. I did not. Um, and, her, and her accolades as a writer, she's written a really amazing book called Soul Path. And she's got a couple of chapters and a couple of other books coming up, and we'll have all of her handles and connection points as a part of the broadcast um, later on. So, you can go search her out because I have no doubt you will want to. Uh, and underneath all of that, um, she, she always kind of shares a little, the little quip that, oh, and by the way, I have my MBA in finance. So there's the grounding effect of all of the spiritual, intuitive, and psychic work that Kay is up to in the world, which are where her real gifts are probably best aligned. And as her client and her friend, she has been an amazing mentor for me over, gosh, many years now, um, where I still call on her for many things, and I have referred many folks her way. So, what I wanted to share is in the back of the book, Power of a Graceful Leader, which is the whole context for the conversation that Kay and I will be diving into, there were some human beings that um, only one of them is no longer here on this earth, but Kay certainly is here. And I I share gratitude in in the back of the book that I wanted to kind of start us out with so you can understand um, a little bit of the importance for me in this conversation and the honor that I'm having to be in this conversation. So Kay Taylor is a powerful and intense being. She's been a coach for me over the past five years, and she meets me where I am. I so craved a female leader in my life who could meet me with just as much or more power than I brought. Kay demonstrates compassionate power in her very existence. She has a life-giving ability to be with you and hold the possibility you see for yourself with an unwavering belief in your ability to live into that possibility. I've asked Kay some questions that I would never ask another human as I would not trust the answers they would offer. Where others would would step on eggshells for fear of sharing something they think I wouldn't want to hear, Kay gives me the gift of honesty. I value Kay for her ability to share what she sees and not become attached to it. Viewing it as simply a data point in a moment in time, this mindset is a valuable tool and I've been able to refine for myself in my work and in my internal grace-filled landscape. I'm eternally grateful for her presence in my life and in our world. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. So there, that is all of it. <laughs> oh, so thank you for being here with me. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for inviting me and thank you for sharing that.
0: I know I said you could share it and I thought I could handle it, but, you know, little tears in my eyes to, to hear that voiced by you because uh, to me... It's just what I do. You know, it's just what I do. So, when someone reflects back to me how important it is to them, um, I'm definitely
1: touched. Yeah. Good. I hope you let all that juicy love in. (laughs) Okay. So, we're here to talk about Power of a Graceful Leader. It is a book I authored, but more than that, it's a conversation I want to be a catalyst for in our universe at large. And so, Tell me a little bit about to get us started, what great what role grace plays in your life as you would describe it, Kay? Mm, okay, well, thank you. I honestly
0: I ha- I have to keep wrapping my mind around it because I feel like when I read your book, which I loved by the way, and you know, sort of reading your, you know, some preliminary instructions for me about what we're going to talk about today. I think grace is so wrapped into my beingness that it's hard for me to put it into words. I don't know if it is for other people, but for me, it's like, well, what does that actually mean? You know, as I delve into it, I think, well, it's being in your power and it's also being heart-centered, empathic, compassionate. It's, it's the energy of your soul embodied in the world in action. Mm -hmm. And that to me is who I am and have been becoming for all these years. You know, I've had private practice doing this work for 37 years now. And before that, as you say, I was in the corporate world. And uh, it is, uh, I definitely didn't have grace then. You know, I definitely was modeling myself on the men around me And trying to be, you know, tough and hard and, uh, you know, my, my true compassionate nature would leak out in other ways. But it took me a lot of years of working with spiritual practice, meditation and yoga and the voice of the spirit guides that work through me, starting to become my voice and starting to become who I am. And... 30 years of therapy uh, to get to really know myself and unpack a lot of the wounding of my childhood, lots of trainings that I've done. So all the different disciplines I bring into my work, you do a training and it's like a lot of years of therapy there. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's been this process of becoming. And when you're in the middle of it, I feel you sometimes don't always see what it is or understand it so it took reading your book to see that oh this is a thing like this thing that i do that i think is k (laughs) is oh that's something that that people are wanting to talk about and that it's an important thing and it was very helpful for me i actually started reading your book after I was designated president of OPA, so before that I was education director. It was fun. I created a consulting skills program. Really added a lot about diversity and inclusion, and uh, more more kind of spiritual energy into it, not just straight like counseling skills. And so it was a you know a reasonable role within the organization, but it wasn't president when the outgoing president first tapped me and said, I think you're the one who should be the next president. I was like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I'm already working more hours every week than any human should be. And it looks to me like you're working like full time and more in this job. So how do I add full time and more to full time already?
1: Yeah,
0: and, uh, and then there was just this whole issue of, Going from being a sole proprietor for all these years, just doing my own thing in my own way, I had a few little forays into organizations and groups a little bit, but I'm often not very patient with the process of, you know, collaboration is, you know, is, I think it comes across that I'm doing it okay, but I can't say that it is natural for me. I've got a lot of fire in me. And I like to get things done efficiently. And then sometimes group work is not efficient. So I come into being the president of a board of 11 people who are all volunteer. So nobody's being paid. You you know, you can't fire them. It's not like an organization. Your friends, your colleagues, everybody's busy. And you're trying to accomplish things together. It's a very different situation to be leading it's not it's not like a typical boss subordinate kind of position Uh, so reading your book helped validate me and I think that's a process I've been going through in my life a lot with different trainings I've done For instance, when I took psychosynthesis training, which is a cornerstone of the work I do, it's a spiritual psychology that holds that we are all perfect loving beings and we get wounded because people have agendas about us from the time we're little, even well-meaning people, but definitely abusive people, and we create all these Uh, false personalities to survive. And so the way to unpack those false personalities is to have someone who can look at you and see you and be empathic and let you really kind of melt into your wholeness. And so when I found psychosynthesis, I had this sense of, ah, yes, that's how I do it. That's how I see people. That's how spirit channels to me is they talk in terms of parts when somebody asks a question. I say there's a part of you that wants to do this for this reason, and there's a part of you that wants to do that for that reason. This is how it's going to play out, and this is what you might think about instead. That is is really the nature of the universe, that we are all parts seeking wholeness. Mm -hmm. And so when I read your book, when I'm coming into the leadership role for OPA, and I read your book, it was like, oh, yeah, okay, good. Thanks, Lexi. That's what I naturally do. And here you're, you're making a book about it, a whole book, and legitimizing it.
1: Yeah. So it was very, very valuable. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you for that feedback. That gave me the warm fuzzies, because <laughs> we <laughs> haven't shared that exchange before. So thank you. No, we haven't, because I've been wanting to finish the
0: book. And because I'm so busy Mm -hmm. working seven days a week, which I don't really feel is a quality of a graceful leader, but sometimes a leader has to do a surge. Um, I finally finished the book, and then I still haven't had time to write a review for you. But
1: I've been plodding away. Good, good. Thank you. Thanks for the commitment. (laughs) Let's dive into the tenants. There are six of them. And we're just going to explore each of them a little bit. So the first one is integrating mind, body, and soul. Um, So what does that mean to you?
0: Well, that's who we are. And I break down in the traditional way, mind as the two sides of mind, the mental mind and the emotional mind. So I call it in my own work, the four pillars. And my classes have uh, four pillar meditations in them uh, all the time. Uh, It is really a classic in some ways in psychosynthesis to be with the physical, just be with it without judging it or changing it, be with the emotional, be with the mental, and then let yourself extend into spirit, which is inside of us and around us all the time. And that process of sitting with all of the parts and being with them is essential to wholeness. And Everything that I do on a regular basis for my own practice includes these things, whether it is meditation, yoga, breathing exercises, um, how I feed my body, how I exercise my body. It's such a combination of being present in a mindful, spiritual way, but also includes emotion. And sometimes people like to do spiritual bypass. And just, you know, oh, I'm all love and light, I'm meditating, Uh, getting kind of ego driven about how many hours they spend doing their practice, and forgetting about the necessity to to feel real feelings, to be connected to what actually is true, and not the just the ideal of how we think we're supposed to be. So to me, body, mind, spirit is every day, all day. Like that's what it's about.
1: Do you personally find a challenge connecting to any one of those parts of you more than the other two or three? No, no, not at this point in time. And I, I don't know.
0: I'm thinking if I can go back to when I was younger, I was always really liked being in the body. I liked I liked working out. I liked competition, racquetball, running. I liked dancing. So I've always loved being physical. Mm-hmm. And I once I started therapy when I was 28 years old, I didn't stop. Um, and then the spirit part started short, shortly after that because once I, once I kind of took an edge off the endless grief that I had not processed mm-hmm. and started meditating, which I did. Uh, connected to Shirley McClain's book. Like, mm-hmm. if, though some of you who are a little older might remember, mm-hmm. Shirley McLean wrote out on a limb, the and, oh my God,
1: it's so,
0: <laughs> so weird. <laughs> and I was, uh, so I I tried her meditation in the book and that was the first time I heard my spirit guides really clearly. And then that made me realize that all those other things that I had heard in my head that I I knew that I had often acted on that 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 was a spirit psychic voice, that that wasn't just I had this way of thinking that I thought was going on before. So that's when I started my search looking for a psychic teacher. And there weren't a lot of psychic teachers back then. It was really different. It was hard to find.
1: It's hard to be pioneering, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. So tenant number two, if we were to put numbers, is the evolving tenant which speaks about aligning soul and self. And so soul being the essence of us, self being the humanness, some call it ego, but the human experience of being that soul here and now. Um, are you clear about your purpose in this time and place? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can you share it with us? Uh-huh.
0: Uh, the per- I, will, I will read it so I get all the words exactly right, but I've got this in my business plan, which is very much a Sankalpa spiritually-based business plan, um, I embody love, power, and grounded wisdom to facilitate transformation and awakening. Yes, you do. And that's the bottom line. And I don't care where it is or how it is. I don't care if it's I'm talking to somebody on the street corner or I'm teaching a class or I'm doing a session or it's with my family it's like to embody that energy, which I think you would define as grace, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That to embody that is to facilitate transformation and awakening for me, and for everybody around me. I feel like that is all that matters. And I think that, uh, you know, that that also is part of getting a little bit older, we go through our Saturn return in our late 50s, we turn 60. Uh, that That's a crossover point astrologically into becoming the wise elder. And I feel like if we want to become the wise elder and not the cranky old person, we, <laughs> we have to come into service, yeah. uh, devotion, we have to let go of striving. So even though I could say this is technically the most successful time of my life, that isn't what's driving me. I'm not trying to get anywhere. I wasn't trying to become president of Opa. Never occurred to me to go on the board of Kepler until they asked me. You know, these these things are all coming to me as I'm going in the opposite direction, going how can I give more to people? Yeah. Like I set up a community recently where people can, you know, come and do classes with me for free and have meditations for free and connect with each other. And uh, like, that's the kind of thing, or I do a drawing of a name out of a hat uh, every, every week sometimes, or every month to give someone a free session with me, somebody who, who can't necessarily afford it. And especially people who are part of marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. So uh, that kind of thing, like that's, that's the best. I want to see, the world have the opportunity to grow and evolve the way many of us have been blessed to do already.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. I love that you're doing those things. Do you think like, this is a segue question. I knew this was going to happen with you. So forgive me for blindsiding you, but I think you'll be beautiful in all of this. So do you, um, when you're talk about Saturn return, so I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting there more quickly than I like to admit sometimes, is there a way to like jump into that before you're in your late (laughs) fifties? Like some of the things you're saying I'm kind of resonating with as far as I'm not striving so much. Um, Richard Rudd, who I've spoken to, talks about serendipity being a really beautiful pinpoint of the evidence of grace, which is kind of what I feel like you're saying is the serendipity of life that, that you're not striving and the things are still flowing in and you're receiving them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, like, can I speed up my Saturn return? <laughs> you can't exactly speed up the Saturn return
0: itself, mm-hmm. but I would say that anybody has the choice always to give up striving and to be more of service. And certainly many people do at yes. very young ages. Uh, And I would say knowing a little bit about your chart, your chart is asking you to develop a more simple life, even though it's kind of natural for you to be out in the world and have a position of power. So for you to be making these strides earlier, makes perfect sense. But there's still a a line, you know, the Saturn return for people who are new to astrology, Mm -hmm. Saturn goes around the chart in about 29 30 years and comes back to where it's born where where it was when you were born and so that is the nature of saturn returning to its natal chart position and it happens in your late 20s and many people recognize that really right away like oh my god that was when my life fell apart that's when i made major changes i moved i had a baby i got married i got divorced i went to school i changed careers like that's when you say this is who I really am. And I had this false personality. Late 50s, you do it again. Only now you've got the middle years of adult life under your belt. Mm -hmm. And you know what you've accomplished and what you haven't. And so it's kind of a bucket list time.
1: Mm. Oh, I love that bucket list time. Okay, great. Okay, so the next one is transparency. This is with self and others. So can you share with us, when did you first become aware of the roles that you play in life?
0: I would say it was when I was in the corporate world, because Mm -hmm. I had a very clear sense that I was an actor, that I was reading the Wall Street Journal, I was reading the sports pages, so that I could have these things to talk about with all the men, because I was at a very high level at a young age, in a world that didn't have a lot of business women in it yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, my boss specifically gave me those instructions like you you need to have things to talk about at these meetings when we're all talking about sports so i i was really aware that i was uh, that i was acting and more and more that it wasn't my true nature and i had an interest in all of these things i had an interest in astrology and an interest in holistic healthcare i used macrobiotics to heal myself and i i didn't have the same interests as the people around me and i was constantly acting and it was very tiring yeah. so that was probably the first time i understood that and then as i got more and more into therapy and unpacking how I was acting and how, how how I was acting was really different than how I felt internally mm-hmm. is actually, I have a lot of me that's very sensitive. Like in astrology, I'm all water and fire. So the water is all emotional intuitive and the fire is all action and independence and let's go, let's start things. And I had allowed the fire to dominate. And then meanwhile, this sensitivity that I had, I was endlessly trying to get rid of it. That's actually why I ended up with an MBA in finance, because I, I looked around and said, accountants aren't sensitive. I don't <laughs> want to be sensitive anymore. So I think I'll do an undergraduate degree in accounting. And, and that actually made sense to me because yeah. it was specific and logical, things yeah. added up and balanced. And then that led to the MBA in finance, and and then I got there and was like, oh, what am I doing here? I wanted
1: to be an artist. <laughs> wow. Wow. There's a reckoning in those moments, isn't there? There's a mm-hmm. I can think of two or three of those in my own life where I just literally sat still. Sometimes I cried, sometimes I was very angry. But I realized that all the things I'd done that got me right there. Were it felt like for nothing. Later on, of course, I go back and grab the gratitude out of it. But in the moment, yeah, it's pretty. In disturbing. the moment, you don't
0: know. And and I always wondered why I got the MBA in finance. I thought it was because it allowed me to do my my business as a psychic uh, astrologer. It allowed me to do it in a more organized way than many mm-hmm. people. Sure. Uh, and, and so I thought that was it, but I actually see that now that I'm working with this international organization and managing things and up-leveling the, the way that we organize our, yeah. our system, that that's really what it was all about, that all of my diverse skills and experiences are coming together now. And I feel like you're a very blessed person if you get to this point where you can stand on you know, this, this mountain You know, we all go to mountains and then we go, oh, where's the next one? But I'm standing on this one, pretty happy to be here and saying, all of my pieces are getting to come together and I'm not acting anymore in any setting. It is authentically me that is
1: being invited into the world. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So we talk about, um, sometimes we talk about accountability with grace and I, I think that what that image that brings to me is is kind of like all the checks are checked you know not that things are perfect but they're definitely continuing to be refined and aligned probably like in nanoseconds versus days or years in the past um because i I know i'm noticing and i can only imagine that you're ahead of me in this space but when i'm out of alignment I notice in my body more than anything, because that's the space for my growth, um, the incongruency, and I can't literally physically tolerate it. So I have to make the adjustment. Yeah. So how do yeah. you know when you have to make your adjustments? Because we're all human beings. Discomfort. You know, suddenly the flow stops. Because I feel yeah. like at this point in life, I'm living in
0: this flow, and mm-hmm. it's like a river, and everything feels really good. And I'm I'm in a very wide channel in this river, where I can go up into bliss, and it's amazing, I can go down into some kind of pain or anger, some other thing and like, go, okay, here I am, where's this coming from? What's my part in it? And I get back in the river. So Mm -hmm. if something is out of integrity, or out of alignment, something that I'm doing in my day to day life that I don't enjoy doing anymore, like, you know, and every time I see that it's on my calendar, I go, "Ooh, I don't want to do that." Like quicker and quicker, I then say no to that and say, "No, I'm sorry, I don't have time. That's not in alignment." And I move back in the river flow again.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the gift. And tell me if you agree or disagree. I think that's the gift of the clarity of knowing your purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: And also feeling intuitively, like like slowing down enough in life that you hear the messages, that you feel the emotions in your body, mm-hmm. and don't override them because so many people are in a habit pattern of overriding their feelings mm-hmm. by doing what they think they're
1: supposed to do, yep. and it's time to stop that.
0: You know, it's we're in a conscious
1: stop that. I- I feel, I mean, I know for me, it took a couple of bouts of illness for me to finally get it. And then, um, you know, I feel like COVID gave a lot of us the opportunity to take it if we wanted to, the great pause. And I think a lot of people, more people did than maybe we thought would, or that they thought they ever would, right? Given the opportunity. Uh-huh. So it's been an interesting time. Let's move on to connecting self and universe. And so- I'm really curious. This is a word I hear in the spiritual space all the time. I use it just as much as all my teachers, including you. Um, what do you mean when you use the word collective in the form of spirituality and grace?
0: Uh, everything and everybody, you know, like the the collective or the mass unconsciousness, unconscious or or, or even like what that vibration is, that oneness that we all live within. I would include plants and animals in that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if everybody else does, but to me, we are all part of this one fabric. I think of us as an ocean and we're all droplets of water in that ocean Mm -hmm. and we get thrown off into physical reality and we have a body that carries around that one little droplet, but we are all still that ocean. So when people are suffering, we're suffering, like we can't say, oh, those people over there in that country, they're suffering, I feel bad for them, because that energy is within us at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's really where we all have to go. if we, we truly want to heal this world, is we we have to understand that we are all one. And it is not it's not just one person or one type of person
1: that's suffering. We all are. Hmm. That's a whole nother podcast conversation that because there's <laughs> a lot of depth there and a lot of there's even inside of me who I accept that as my, my truth. Um, there's a fair amount of resistance inside that inquiry for sure. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And here's a big one. How do you engage with gratitude in your life? Hmm. I started
0: really studying, Gratitude bringing into my life consciously way back then that, you know, 40 years ago, almost when I started with mm-hmm. spirituality and therapy. And so even then the idea that it was a good thing to be grateful was becoming a, a popular idea uh, that has just deepened and deepened. It's gone from an occasional gratitude meditation mm-hmm. or noticing when I had a negative thought to turn it around into a gratitude thought Mm -hmm. to a very specific daily gratitude practice. So normally my favorite thing to do is to, you know, get up and go down to my yoga mat, which I leave open most of the time and child's pose forehead to the ground, palms down and, lots of breaths with gratitude, gratitude for everything. And I especially like to do gratitude for the things that are uncomfortable, the things that my ego self is saying that they don't like, Um, knowing that that's just part of the process. Uh, I also have morphed over time to breathing meditation practice in bed when I first wake up before I even go there, mm-hmm. because I feel like if I, if I transition very slowly that way, that my whole day is better and it, it makes sure I go to the mat. So I will lie there from five to 30 minutes doing Ujjayi Kumbhaka breath with bonda holds and gratitude. <laughs> and wow. then, sometimes uh, if something's really intense, like I remember waking up one morning and my partner saying, we need to go to emergency. I'm having a health crisis. And still I went to the window and put my hands up to the sky and did three gratitude breaths. That's how deep gratitude has come into me now. And I feel that that is a huge reason why I'm in that river flow.
1: Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I agree. Um, I know um, in my coaching practice, it makes all—it's made all the difference. You know, in the illusion of time that most of us are fighting against, or maybe not—maybe we've given up the fight. But most of the time, when I'm coaching, we're in the fight for time and resources. So when they can, when someone can settle into a gratitude practice, it allows them that pause and space in between where all the magic if you'll sit still long enough or breathe into it long enough, will rise within it. Um, so, I echo the yeah, 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 for sure. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the next tenet was co-creating and innovation. So, this brings in here, there's the conversation of diversity and the role of diversity inside co-creating and in, in the, inside that innovation or creativity or magic or however what word you might like to use. So, can you tell me what role diversity plays in your life? Yeah,
0: I wanted you to, to explain to me more what you mean about diversity when you're saying that diversity yeah. in my own life.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, diverse, I, I have found I can give a definition of diversity, but I think my definition by nature is very m- narrow. So, typically, we think diversity of humanity, right? And we can go down the list of, Eoc claims for what a diverse human being may be or not be. Um, but in the context of the collective, right, I'm looking at diversity not just in the human form, but in all energy sources, seen and unseen, and what role those diverse energy sources play in your life. Does that help? Uh, a little bit, but I, it's still a little…
0: Uh... Well, what comes vision. to
1: mind to, sh- to share?
0: That's
1: what we want um, to hear. What What comes to my mind is that
0: my whole life I've been sort of outside of the box in different ways, mm-hmm. you know, not fitting in. I never felt I fit in, in my family, where I lived, in my country, wherever. I mean, it, it has just been my nature to feel different and to have a lot of diverse parts of myself and choices that are not norm, you know, considered typical. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so I embrace diversity. I embrace people's differences uh, without, without a lot of natural judgment about things, you know, that, that, that is the way that I operate. So in terms of this being about innovation and creativity for me if i if i'm just sitting in my life with uh, my intuition engaged always ideas come to me to say i i, I want to do this thing next and then i go do this thing next wow. and i i don't really think about uh what this what the structure is or what I'm supposed to do, or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. but again, i'm I'm not quite sure what you're getting at, but I have a feeling that it's because I do it and it's it's not a question that I think about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you mentioned early on earlier in our conversation that you were doing diversity and inclusion in an organization, okay? So that's that I would say that's the topic that most of the the human beings today are that's a hot topic right Mm -hmm. so how do you see diversity inclusion being a strength or a weakness for humanity
0: oh gosh Uh, a strength a necessity something that's absolutely ridiculous that we haven't done so far like i can't I just don't get it. I really just don't get it. And, and, and yet I do, you know, I mean, we're Mm -hmm. all unpacking the oppression and the systemic injustice. And we, we see the, the underlying biases, right? If we do any work at all, we see that no matter how open and inclusive we think we are, there's very odd thought processes that have come down through us that we've inherited, that are part of the culture, we breathe this toxic energy. But I do feel that we have to do something about it. We have to do it now. And I feel that the younger generations that have come in are a lot of very evolved souls, and they already know it. And they don't have the patience to deal with how slow this transition has been going. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good thing.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. With the youth, I see it's much like, kind of like you, you're just like, I don't get it. Like, this is just a thing. Let's move along. Um, mm-hmm. So, that, that is good. I see it as well. Um, here's a question for you How do you discern when to follow and when to lead? Uh,
0: you know, intuition, gut feel, uh, what, what the energy feels like in that moment but it's also in some ways the role, right? That somebody is playing. So I'm president of this organization. And the person who used to be the president is now the vice president. Uh, if, if, if he's in charge of a conference because we've decided to share work and he's in charge of this conference and I'm in charge of that conference, I'm going to allow him to lead in the one that we've agreed he's going to lead in, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be a follower and do my best to be a good follower, even though I'll probably be, you know, <laughs> grouchy and <laughs> have an opinion here and there, and vice versa, right? And and uh, you know that's the way life always is, right? There's yeah. there's always um, we're we're in we're in different situations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The last one, which I think, in my opinion, you're like my poster child for, is um, compassionately powerful in all things. So what does the idea of compassionate power bring up for you?
0: Uh, that to me, that that is true power, that I feel that the the power chakra, the high belly, which you mentioned, you know, as being that and the heart being grace center, the two chakras together, Mm -hmm. the the power chakra is a place where the soul comes and rests and can operate in a way of worldly ego based power control manipulation, or can operate as a soul being powerful in the world. And Mm -hmm. a soul is uh, compassionate and all seeing by nature. And so when we are operating from that true power, we don't need to have power over anybody. And it's very easy to blend the heart and love and empathy uh, together with, with that power. And I feel like that is the only way to be. First of all, it feels good inside of us to be compassionate as a powerful leader. Mm -hmm. And it also uh, feels good to the people around us. They they then want to be part of things. They feel the juiciness of it. They feel the acceptance of it. Like they can come and bring their whole selves Mm -hmm. and don't have to be holding back and feeling like somebody is going to be harmful to them. Uh, because if, you, if you're really compassionate and empathic, you understand the results of your words and your actions. Mm-hmm. You know how they are affecting other people and there will be a wish to do no harm. So that's, uh, that is hopefully in my mind, the way that this world is going.
1: Yeah, me, my mind too. So often when people um, in conversation with me are like, well, I thought I'd either have to be passionate or compassionate or powerful. Like, I don't understand how the two go together. They feel like they're on opposite sides. So that leads me to duality. Are you comfortable with the shades of gray or do you prefer more in black and white world?
0: <laughs> I am so far from black and white world. No, I am. I am all about the grays. Um, and, and being, being connected and finding that place where something is working for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to what you just said, it's like, yeah, it's not an either or situation. And you even, even being compassionate, there are many situations where one has to be very honest and set boundaries and be clear and, the you know to just to just be compassionate and empathic we're all just going to sit around in a pool of tears and nothing's going to get done so Mm -hmm. so the the finding of the balance and a sense of wholeness
1: that's really what what we're all uh, coming to I believe I, I definitely the more I spend time in the contemplation of that, the more I fall in love with it and I accept it as my truth, you know. So it's very good. Okay. How do you see yourself and others accessing Grace Center? Which again, by definition, the definition I've I'm using for the book is the heart center and the solar plexus energy forms being more connected. We we've often talked about mind and heart, right? For leaders. Um mm-hmm. and we need that. that. Like that doesn't get aborted. But what I discovered in my own evolution was these other two parts weren't necessarily connected. Mm-hmm. My heart was usually offline altogether. So, um, so can you tell us a little bit about how those energy sources work together and um, maybe some direct outcomes that might come from that union? Hmm. Uh, well, together they mm-hmm. form
0: this loving power. I think they're really the basis of grounded wisdom. Right, the, there's a wisdom in the heart, and when it's grounded into the power chakra, it comes forward as action. So wise, heart-centered, compassionate, loving, discerning action, and this this is where we're whole you know for a long time you know just just to sort of go a little bit into meditation process mm-hmm. uh, I lead people forever in these meditations where we bring in cosmic energy and we run it through us. We bring in earth energy and we run it through us. And the the standard wisdom always is that the heart chakra is the middle place, and this is where you blend the energies. So above it, you've got communication, your psychic vision, and you're channeling your spiritual energy coming through. Mm -hmm. And below, you have the power, the emotions, and the survival. the the lower three chakras. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense that you blend them here. But for a long time, I felt intuitively inclined to blend them at the third, to blend at the power chakra level, because it is the place where the soul lives that can either be worldly power or spiritual power. Mm
1: -hmm. For a
0: long time, I did that and uh, guided people to do that as well. And to see them together, to see the way those two energies run together, makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. very
1: good. Here's the big one. I th- I think this is a big one. So what do you see as being called um, to and through us in the form of leadership right now in this moment in time?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think I have to answer grace, right? (laughs) That would be a good answer, but there's many answers. I get gold stars.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) No, uh, everything we're talking about, wise, compassionate leadership and courage. We haven't talked about courage, Mm -hmm. which, you know, courage comes from the heart, right? In French, the word cour. So courage in the heart to stand up Mm-hmm. and be real and tell the truth and be vulnerable, be open. That's what is needed at this point. The the games and the charades and the patriarchal structures, we're, we're burning that down. We need to do that. We need to do it really, really quickly if we are to get anything done at all. And so for each person to work with their own inner processing of evolution to to you know dissolve and melt and throw away the false personalities that get in the way of being truly high self embodied in the world and that sense of you know, sometimes we get the wording backwards. People will talk about my soul, right? What, what is my soul doing? Well, <laughs> you don't have a soul. Just like if you if you think about it, you don't have a cat either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a good one. I love
0: that. And uh, and so you need to know that you are the puppet of your soul. <laughs> so, and sometimes you're a stubborn puppet. And sometimes you're, you know, you're a good puppet and you are aligned with what the plan is. When you're not aligned with what the higher plan is, life is very uncomfortable. Yes. So getting in alignment with the plan and the plan of planet Earth is love. So how can we all be more part of a vibration of love, even in government, even in business, even at the grocery store? Right? Like that's really where the challenge is. That's where we're coming into leadership, whether we have a big job where we know we're leaders Mm -hmm. or whether we're at home with two little children and stuck inside because of COVID. Mm -hmm. No, we are all able to embody leadership in whatever venue we find ourselves and being an instrument of light and love. That's who we
1: are. Yeah. Okay. You gave me one more question, then we'll wrap it up because we're coming up to our hour. So, one of the things that mm, I've struggled with, especially when I'm finding teachers or learning and finding resources in this space of spirituality, is I, I acknowledge and I'm aligned with we are all one. That's very easy for me to go, yeah, okay, I'm good. Puppet alignment there. I do struggle a little bit sometimes when I hear people say, you know, love and light and, and I agree with it. And I always want to say there after that, though, is, and, and, and reality, right. There's some reality in there. Right. And because sometimes I, I, it, I don't know if it, I'm going to use the word spiritual bypassing, but I'm not sure I'm using that correctly here or not. Um. Can you tell us a little bit about how to be this love and light and also be human dealing with a mortgage and all the things that are happening around us? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that really comes to a basic spiritual philosophy of psychosynthesis where you you are living in this, this middle stream, the middle unconscious. And above is the love and light and the bliss and the beauty and creativity and joy and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And below is the pain and the anger and the frustration and the worry and all of those negative energies. And basically, in order to really be able to go up to the love and light, you have to be willing to go into the darkness. You have to be willing to accept what's there. If you just stay up in the love and light, then that's spiritual bypass. That is pretending that you are all loving. And you see it in spiritual communities all the time, people who pretend to be unconditionally loving and say all the right things. But behind the scenes, there's lots of politics and lots of undealt with emotions and drama. On the other hand, we can also get stuck in the darkness. We can get stuck resentment and grievance and our pain and not have the resources or the courage to work with that energy and see it for what it is, uh, an energy that blocks us from our higher perspectives. Mm -hmm. So the, the key to embodying more of the light, which is actually who we are, mm-hmm. is to experience all of the humanness that we come into. And this is this takes us back to the word that you had about duality, mm-hmm. right? In in a dual belief system, uh, you know, God and light and goodness is up there somewhere and you're just a puny little human doing human stuff and you're kind of bad and you're going to get in trouble. Uh, and in a non-dual system, everything that occurs in life is the God, goddess, all that is energy. So, that's really the place I feel to take it, is that you understand that all of it is permeated with love, all of it. Like, even the negative, even the nastiness, it's all, it's all truly love and it's all part of this illusion. But, you know, as they say, I mean, you can call life an illusion, but if you're, you know, fall down on your face, like that hurts, that's real. Um, so much for the illusion. Uh, it feels real because we are in it on a reality basis. But yeah, seeing the light and love in everything and everybody as much as we're capable of, that's the real challenge here.
1: Yeah. So do you think like some people will articulate that? um, I'm trying to think of the saying that feels like it aligns with this idea is that um, things aren't happening to you. Things are happening for you. Mm-hmm. Would that be in alignment with what you're delivering as far as the love? Oh, yeah,
0: I would I would say everybody is a player in your movie. Yeah, and everything that's happening right now is all about us learning, growing, healing and evolving. Yeah. And it's very important to at least drop into that perspective sometimes, Mm -hmm. because especially right now where everything is so polarized, right? Political parties, vaccine, not vaccine. If we can start to see that we are all part of this same game and uh, all, all of it is part of a healing journey that we've agreed to be on together, we, we can have a little bit more, of a sense of humor about it. Yes. That right. doesn't mean we're not going to try to heal and fix things that we believe we want to heal and fix. Right. But we don't, we don't have to let it ruin our experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, rem- I remember I'll just share in closing this, this story. I was up in this most beautiful mountain setting uh, with my partner at the time. And we had had a, big fight fighting about the thing we always would fight about and I decided to go for a walk in the snow and I was walking I mean not a human for miles we were staying in a place that was off the grid and we were just on a mountainside and it was snow was beautiful and the stars were sparkling and I was crying about this stupid fight we'd had like we always did Uh And I just remember thinking, what am I doing? I'm in this like magical wonderland (laughs) and I can't get out of my petty little wants, don't want, like, dislike, you're not giving me what I want thing. Um, You know, I haven't thought about that for a lot of years, but that comes to me in terms of a a description of we're in this beautiful life. We are in this beautiful, gorgeous planet. Uh, Yes, we've polluted it. Yes, it's heating up. Yes, there's problems. And also, be, be in a forest, be on a walking path, go to the park. Remember that there's also beauty here. And we're here to cherish that and enjoy that and balance that with our own personal lives and our sense of connectedness to how we are being graceful leaders, all of us. And know
1: taking this journey toward more wholeness wow nice job i will give a mic drop to you right there that was well done thank you um okay thank you for everything thank you for your love thank you for the force that you are in my life you've you've challenged me in ways that no one else has had permission to do and i love you dearly for it and thank you for your support and being here with me oh thank you thank you so much i love you too All right. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to The Power of a Graceful Leader.
0: Please join your host, Alexis Thompson, for another enlightening edition of the program soon
1: on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.